Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. So welcome to the very first podcast of Wellspring Solutions, run by Sharon Wegman. Our focus today is going to be on moms at home with children during the summer. That's what was heavy on my heart when I was thinking about what podcasts were going to be. And so we're going to be talking about that today. My name is Sharon Wegman. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the city of Reading, Pennsylvania. Actually, I'm in the suburb of Why Missing. And I'm here today with my office administrator, Jessica Beachy. Jessica, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Jessica Beachy. I have four children, all girls. What are their ages? The oldest is 13. Her name's Eleanor. The second is 11, Anne. The third is Emma. She just turned 10 last weekend. And the fourth is Lydia, and she's eight. Okay, so obviously Jessica has a lot to say on moms at home in the summer. But this has been always heavy on my heart. My children are almost edging towards the edge of being in my house. I have an 18-year-old son who's heading off to college And I have a 16-year-old daughter who will really only be there two more years. And my issues about being home in the summer have shifted as they become as they become older. But it's a it's heavy on my heart in a lot of ways because it's a subject that I don't think a lot of people actually talk about. I when I looked, I tried to find some research on the subject. And I couldn't really find any podcasts or even articles about the negative feelings for mothers or stay-at-home dads associated with summer. Nobody actually talks about it. So there wasn't anything out there. And I thought, but this is something that I talk about all the time in my office. And there's so many um, feelings tied to it. So today I want to talk about a couple different things. I want to talk about ambivalence. Ambivalence is having two opposing feelings at the exact same time. So at the same time, I love my children being home for the summer is the same time that there's a lot of losses tied to it. So for me, summertime was often my most dreaded time of the year um, because I was juggling work. And the first part of it, I was also a stay-at-home mom. So it was just a whole lot of extra stress for me. So ambivalence is like two sides of a coin where one side looks like one picture and on the other side is a totally different picture. Second thing I personally want to talk about is the tremendous shame that a lot of moms feel about not being happy with the losses tied to summer and how I would sometimes focus on the losses as opposed to the benefits of having them home and connecting with them during summer. And then the third thing that I specifically want to talk about, and I'm going to give Jessica opportunity to talk as well, is the tremendous losses tied to summer for most families. There's a lot of losses of time for the adults in that they're doing a lot more child care, There's a lot of losses of finances because not only are we devoting finances towards summer vacation, but there's a lot of additional finances tied to activities, summer camp if you're a working mom. Summer camps are significantly more expensive than most daycare situations. 
a lot of loss of personal time, the loss of ability to complete tasks, because I just basically would plan on completing 50% of what I normally did during the summer. And just loss of quiet and a loss of thinking ability. I kind of feel like my brain is a lot more mushy during the summer. So I often feel like when they finally would head back to school, I would be clearer in my mind. I could think more clearly because so much of all of what was happening in our house was impacting how my brain worked. So Jessica, I know there's a few things that you want to talk about with me. Yes, I would say that the topics I wanted to cover were some of the comparison that gets stirred up in my generation of moms based on all of the access to social media. So you're feeling trapped at home with the kids and then you're going on to social media and seeing what everybody else is doing or how they might be doing it better. And then it just spirals from there into comparison instead of being able to make a plan for how you can just do summer your way with your kids. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about is just finding joy and keeping things simple. Simple meals, daytime plans or evening plans instead of overcomplicating things just to find joy in the little things where you can. I also wanted to talk about how to not feel overwhelmed by the financial drain that summer represents. I know having multiple children, or it doesn't, I don't even know if it really matters from the people that I've talked to how many kids you have. You just feel a financial drain during the summer. I just want to talk about how to remain positive in the face of all of those things. And managing sibling rivalry during the summer. Yes, which may be a whole other second podcast. <laughs> yes, that's a topic in and of itself. So we might, maybe the next one we'll do is going to be on sibling rivalry during the summer because it is mm. really a big struggle. I remember just repeating to myself and telling my kids the first couple weeks of summer. We just have to keep pushing through the first two weeks of summer. We need to create new routine of how we interact, new routine. So whatever's happening in this first two weeks is going to slowly go away. And it's going to become structured and normalized. And I had to keep telling myself that and telling my kids that we are just creating a brand new structure. Everybody keep it low key and, and stop blowing everything out of proportion. So let's hit a few of these head-on. You're right, Jessica. Let's talk about comparison first. With the introduction of social media, it really does create a lot of comparison. I actually feel like it's more of a problem for your generation than my generation because I was not raised on social media. I would not know people are at parties. I would not know people are at social events. I was clueless unless somebody told me I didn't have texting. I didn't have any of those things growing up or, or even in my young adult years. So when my daughter asked me when was the first time I got a cell phone, I remember telling her I was 34. <laughs> so, so there really wasn't a lot of access to what everybody else was doing. And so I just feel like it's a, it's a different thing that's happened in society, even like beauty comparisons. Mm. When we see, we see uh, the Kardashians posting their Instagram photos, which, no, I do not follow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, we're constantly airbrushing what reality is, mm -hmm. and it's never really what it is. 
as a mom, you're always trying to give every advantage to children. And when you see other people giving those advantages to your children, you don't want your children to be left out. Mm -hmm. You're right, Sharon. How do I recognize, first, if I, that I'm even entering into the trap of comparison and then train myself to stop and redirect? Yeah, I guess that's a difficult thing to be able to process. I would say it's something that you need to talk about with friends. That I think it's something that all women deal with, is comparing themselves to the gold standard of what motherhood looks like. Mm. And so I think it's so important to hold each other is just have that vulnerable conversation with friends. I often say that when clients are sitting in my office. It's so important for you to say to your friend, do you ever struggle with this? And, of course, they're going to say yes. (laughs) But most people think it's just them. And so literally holding each other accountable in that area is good. And we need to push each other towards celebrating other moms celebrating each other instead of comparison. And and yet I really feel like that's what social media has done, where so many likes, you get so many likes, and that is your worth. And and we as women, we have to build each other up and, and keep away from comparison. Are there good ways to find the affirmation we're looking for outside of I guess just putting it out there on social media. I feel like so often people just throw it out on social media looking for affirmation. And practically, what should we be doing instead? Sending somebody a text saying, I'm having a particularly hard day or something like that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be blunt. I find it really annoying when people whine on social media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, okay, now you know my weakness. And I've had this conversation with individuals. I'll say, I'd rather you just say to me, I'm struggling today. I don't feel like I'm being a good enough mom than posting about how horrible your life is Mm. on that social media and trying to pull out negative attention. Mm -hmm. We want to have positive attention from our friends. So we might have to say, okay, I'm having a bad day. Tell me some good things about my parenting. I'm having a bad day. I need to hear some affirmation as opposed to what I see a lot of people doing is posting about the negative and then I'm like, So am I supposed to reach out and give you sympathy? Mm -hmm. Because I don't really think sympathy is going to make someone feel better. Right. I think it's going to keep them in their hole. I think affirmation, encouragement, praying for that individual, that's going to help the individual. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are kind of looking for sympathy, and sympathy isn't actually going to make you feel better. It's going to dig you deeper. So practically, I think it's so important for moms to force to just come into agreement with each other. We're going to build each other up. We're going to try to be supportive of each other this summer. And you know what? When we're having a rough day, we just all agree that we're just going to text the other person and say, help. And that's the sign that we need prayer. That's the sign we need encouragement. That's the sign that we need affirmation. It's difficult. I think comparison feeds into a lot of shame because shame, you know. Well, how do you even define shame? Like when, when it comes to what it, what it stirs up in me, comparison, I'm trying to think of what, what's even a good definition or example of, of shame as far as the feelings that it's creating in your house, in your life. Yeah, I think it's um, negative 
beliefs regarding our self-worth, mm-hmm. and I think those negative beliefs are formed at a very early age. Most people don't understand that psychologically we know that your belief system about the world and how you experience the world happens between 0 and 12. <laughs> That's when there's all this comparison going on in your own home and your own worth is constantly being judged, maybe in comparison to your siblings or how much time you have with mom and dad. So I just refer to shame as the negative beliefs we have about our own worth. And they can be um, formed very easily by any type of emotional, physical, verbal, sexual, or religious abuse. Mm -hmm. And I love the work of Brene Brown. If you haven't listened to videos about Brene Brown and her work on shame, go on YouTube and Google her. Jessica and I both love her. And we think she does a wonderful job of vulnerably sharing what shame looks like, and how it separates us from people. Mm-hmm. When we feel shameful about comparison, when we feel shameful about our mothering, what shame does is it causes us to kind of pull away from people mm-hmm. and either hide or maybe do shameful. That's when moms who are feeling shameful and powerless and comparing themselves against other mothers, that's when they act out towards their children. They're feeling powerless and shameful about whatever's happening in their house, and that's when they either act out or they shut down and close off, neither of which are going to be productive to the whole household, Mm -hmm. but more not just to the children, but to the woman as well. So I think it's so important for us to be aware of the shame when it's starting to happen so that we can be saying to our friends, okay, I need some affirmation, so that we can be praying and saying, God, I need your help right now. I need affirmation. I need comfort. I need truth. Because shame will cause us to stay in a place that's not going to be productive for our summer. And that's, so comparison and shame, they work so much together. And and they just create this giant ball of stuff that really can either be lodged at you and hurt you or be thrown at your children mm-hmm. or your spouse when he comes home at night or she comes home at night. And it's just not helpful. Um, so, but if we're dealing with it, it's going to be helpful. I know I've personally dealt with with shame, and I've even felt it increase as my daughters have gotten older, I think. There's a part of me that has experienced this where they start to deal with shame in our household with all of their (laughs) (laughs) little—with the age group that they are, and they get kind of stirred up, and it can feel a little bit like a hornet's nest at home. So I guess practically I would just want to know how are some ways that you deal with shame? It's true. I mean, my goodness, five women all together. That's a whole other game. (laughs) That's a whole game of hormones, isn't it? I think I used to shut down with it, and I used to then try harder. Hmm. That's what I used to try to do. Shut down, kind of pull off, and then, okay, I'm going to try harder. And that's not really what, what learning how to deal with shame is about is, God, I'm feeling really crappy about what I just did to this 
child. Mm -hmm. God, I'm really feeling crappy about even like the choices I'm making for myself this summer. God, I need your truth. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when we're in those really deep, dark places of shame as a result of a big mistake, we need other people to kind of pray us out of there and encourage us out of there. I think it's important for us as moms as we're heading into the summer to just constantly think that every mistake that we make is not a failure, but it's an opportunity to transform us. Mm. Failure is only showing us what we need to do differently. And mm. we're going to make fa- we're going to have mistakes over and over and over. But it needs a it, it really needs to be something that we embrace as okay, I made that mistake. I'll never make that mistake again. We had a recent example in my own household and there was a large mistake that cost a lot of money that happened. And I became very aware as the adult in the situation, I I became very aware of the idea that God wanted this child to be very aware of all of the positive things Mm. that they have going on in their life. God did not want that child to focus on that mistake. Mm -hmm. That child had already experienced the consequences of that choice, but that God wanted to make that child very aware of what they were good at and focus on those types of things Mm -hmm. because no child, no adult, excuse me, wants to see their child lose power. Right. And that's exactly what shame does. It causes that kid to just have a freak out moment and Mm -hmm. shut down, right? Or we as parents, freak out moment and shut down. And that's exactly what shame would want us to do hurt other people or shell up into self. Mm -hmm. And really, this is where we need to cry out for God to bring us affirmation and encouragement. So as we head towards summer, again, with your group of friends that you deal with summer, I just think it's so important for you to have this discussion and just understand when failures are made, they are platforms Mm -hmm. for better choices in the future. And I teach my own children that. Okay, you're never going to make that mistake again. (laughs) Right. Is where we're going with this. Um, And that's hopefully what we're doing as well. Mm. That's right, Sharon. My mom always said to me that we fail forward. And I think I have to remember that even in the times when shame is getting stirred up in my household or I'm wanting to just shut down and go into comparison mode, or there's times where I'm thinking about. just getting pulled into how frustrating whatever the situation might be is, and it's making me feel like then I'm alone in it. I, I'm alone. I don't have anybody that I could call, no one that I can text. You know, and, and even sometimes going online or going into you know whatever social media site to even look and see is anybody else is anybody else out there right now? I feel like that happens too, where you know it's like is any is anybody going through this? And so I've had to, I guess, practically like turn it off or like change that habit too of of wanting to go into comparison mode when I'm experiencing shame. That is very true because you know what? I feel like a lot of people when they've had a bad day, they just numb. Mm -hmm. And what are we numb with? Social media. Right, right. (laughs) And when we numb with social media, I feel like it makes us even more insecure. Right. Numbing never helps. (laughs) 
journaling, processing, praying, talking with friends, those things actually help. But the numbing only continues the process or builds it. So I actually suggest for a lot of people that if you're feeling emotionally stirred up, don't go on social media. Mm -hmm. That's not going to help you. It's okay to not go on it because you're literally going to pour fuel onto the fire Mm -hmm. as opposed to doing something healthy that's going to empower you. Mm -hmm. But you're right. When you're in that pit... It doesn't feel like you can do anything but look around in the pit. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, your kids are in the pit with you. Yes. So how do you <laughs> how do you even communicate with them? Maybe where you're at in that given moment, so that you know, is there is there a health in having openness there in conversation with your children? Absolutely. I mean, anybody who's worked with me or done therapy with me knows that I'm a big proponent about teaching children an emotional language Mm. at an early age to be able to communicate what's going on inside of them. And so I think a lot of times it's important for a mom to say, I'm sorry, guys, I'm just feeling kind of powerless right now. I need a couple minutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because it's so important for us to be able to teach them an emotional language to what they're dealing with, Mm -hmm. including shame. I think of, you know, my own children who the poor things were raised by a therapist, you know, they have a very strong emotional language in being able to verbalize their feelings um, from a very early age, telling me, you're making me feel powerless. That vulnerable feeling language really caused me to be able to engage differently as a parent Mm. than if I didn't hear vulnerably what was going on. So I don't feel like you can use a feeling language. There's not too much. Mm. (laughs) Now, it's not the fault of the child. Right. I mean, really, I would say for most people, their powerless feeling Yes, the child may be acting out, (laughs) but that powerless feeling, that existed prior to the child. Mm. So I think a lot of people, so what I see some people doing incorrectly with their feelings is, you are making me feel powerless. Mm. That's not, that's only going to shame that child. As opposed to saying, I'm sorry, guys, right now I'm feeling very triggered, I'm feeling powerless. Let me figure out where this is coming from because mm-hmm. this, what's happening in the present is really not about where that powerlessness is coming from. It's coming from something else in your first 12 years. Right, right. <laughs> it's your worldview that says when this happens, this makes me feel powerless. Mm-hmm. And that's not truth. So it's really empowering to own our truths in front of our children. Yes, and this is where it's. I see a lot of parents saying, you make me feel powerless. No, <laughs> it's something's triggering that. But yes, it's so important to own your feelings in front of your children, and it's about you. It's not about them. Right. 
Um, Lots of people have grown up in family systems where they were guilted and shamed into Mm. compliance by their mother's feelings being expressed inappropriately. Mm. And in turn, those people have learned to shut down their feelings because it wasn't safe to have feelings And other people's feelings are my responsibility. We don't want to create any more codependent people than already exist. And we will create that if we make our feelings their responsibility. But it's perfectly appropriate to share those feelings with them so that they begin to have an emotional language to express themselves. So let's kind of shift directions right now and talk about all the losses tied to summer for moms. And it's not just the stay-at-home moms. Can I just say, God bless the the working moms. They have even more losses. Although, I will say it's much easier to be at work than being at home, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, I often say to people, when you're at home, you're triggered by your most intimate people Mm. in ways that when you're at work, Give me any problem here at work, and it doesn't trigger me to the same level because these, while I love my clients, I'm not going to be triggered by their stuff in the same way that my own children, who I love desperately and desire for them to love me desperately, whatever they're going to do is going to trigger me more. Mm -hmm. But the working mom, they have so many losses, and this even more so— the working mom who is also a single parent Mm. or a single father. Wow, so many losses, so many losses of they just can't even compare themselves to even the images of what summer looks like. They can't even, it doesn't even compare. So they have the ultimate comparison ability, inability, so Anyway, so many losses. Let's talk about losses a little bit more, Jessica. The main thing that I really think of is like the financial losses that are tied to summer. I think about, you know, the more needing to have more food, like just the constant asking for a snack. (laughs) And the wondering if you're providing enough to do entertainment wise, or wondering if you're getting enough lessons for somebody's instrument or if you're if you're sending people to the appropriate camp or if you're keeping your children stimulated or if the answer is to keep them not I just feel like there ends up being all these things that you can spend money on and then there's like vacation expectations on top of that so I don't know how to even process that except for to say that when I look at it, a lot of times, it, it the first place that I naturally go is to almost into denial that it's even happening. Lately, for me, it tends to be denial of, <laughs> of I can't even think about this right now because I don't have any answers for all of the strings attached to what it looks like to figure out the financial aspects of summer. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge in, in so many. We just went five different directions easily there. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of lay it out a little bit at a time. I mean, for me, the most empowering thing is to move towards loss instead of moving away from loss. So for me, starting in April, yeah, I know this is May or June now, but, but I would literally take a block of time on a Saturday morning and I would lay out every last thing that was free that was going to go into the calendar. 
Mm-hmm. I would look at every library event. Every I remember even posting on social media, on Facebook, I would say, okay, guys, tell me your top 10 free things that you like to do in summer. Well, and people yeah. people would send what they want. And that that helped me populate my calendar with a lot of free things, which mm-hmm. was very empowering mm-hmm. because I was able to pick days that we were going to do something. But you can easily exhaust your children during the summer by overscheduling them. They are tired from the end of the school year. They need a lot of downtime. And I don't mean downtime on electronics, right? <laughs> which I have that issue in my house with teenagers. But when they were children, I would limit their downtime. Um, I was working more in the end of their elementary years, and whoever was staying with them, I would employ usually a young adult college individual to stay with them. I would only I could create a schedule in which they had chore time. Mm-hmm. I created a schedule of electronic time when they were allowed to go do something. I just felt like. For me, maybe it was me that needed to feel empowered by the schedule. But I know my kids kind of felt some stability from schedule. So I would take one Saturday morning. I would just fill in the calendar as much as possible with as many free things. And then I would start to fill in from there. And it was interesting when I started looking at their sports schedules and all of their other things, there wasn't a lot of available weeks. But mm-hmm. I was so focused on the being overwhelmed that I couldn't deal with it. So, you know, I always tell everybody who comes in here, the only way you're going to deal with the loss is if you actually talk about it with God. Okay, God, mm-hmm. I need help with this calendar. So Mm -hmm. you and I, we're going to sit down with this calendar, and you're going to help me deal with these losses and fill in what it looks like. When I'm trying to process something that I have run into this idea of, well, we just can't afford that, or like there's almost like this scarcity that creeps in when I begin to think about summer or the losses involved, I, I often have to choose then to obey the Lord and go and sit down with my journal or add a little extra time onto my quiet time and write it out. And if there's something that I just don't have an answer for, how are we going to pay for cello camp this year? How are we going to cover vacation? Where are we even going to go on vacation, God, that we can— And oftentimes, even just the getting it written out in black and white makes it so that it's not something that I'm carrying, but I— but I take back on all that the Lord has for me, and I just leave the rest of it there. And either the answer comes <laughs> and it's provided for, or I'm at least able to emotionally let it go so that it's not draining me. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Because if we avoid the loss or numb the loss, we're not actually productively grieving. Mm-hmm. We're not productively processing the feelings associated with the grieving I know summer is expensive. These camps, they never did not exist when I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Every week you could send your kid to another camp. And they are expensive and they're not set up for people who are working. They are set up for people who are at home um, right. where they're sitting. And so I'll I'll know people who put their kid in a different camp every week of the summer. Wow. 
just to keep them away <laughs> out of the house. Wow. Um, and that's not what I want for any child. But I understand the mom who might feel powerless in a situation, that's what they do mm-hmm. to preserve their space and time. So I think it has to be a balance, mm-hmm. right? Of, okay, you know, what is going to be important to Emma? All right, what does Emma need? Let's make sure there's a mix of that in there. Mm-hmm. What does Eleanor need? What does, you know, mm-hmm. let's make sure there's a mixture of that in there. What does Anne need? Let's make sure there's a mixture of that in there. And same thing continues on. You know, we did not always have money to be going to a pool. Pool memberships in Berks County are very expensive. Yes, I'm not they even are. sure what that's all about, but um, it's different than. Um, other areas where they're more publicly owned recreational facilities. Mm -hmm. We would maybe, we just said to people, hey, when you're going to the pool, let us know. And many times we didn't buy memberships because it was literally cheaper for us when we laid out our schedule and what all the things we were going to be doing. It was literally cheaper to pay each time we went Mm or have the opportunity to not feel the need to always go to the pool every single day. So utilize friends when it comes to that. I know there was a large discussion in here about snacks and Mm -hmm. food. Uh, That That's a big issue. I remember our our food costs increasing double. Mm. What do you do to conserve on food costs in the summer? What do you do? Well, I know I often make an activity out of going to a local orchard or you-pick mm-hmm. place during the summer and make a day of it, and then we have fruit or we're preserving things that way. If you have time to do that, and that's something that you would enjoy. I would say also I try to engage them with, like, I would make my own pans of granola bars in the morning with whoever was up and wanted to do a little bit of baking with me. A lot of it is you're using your, your home and you're looking for things to fill your schedule with anyway to, you know, create some kind of routine. So a lot of that for me would revolve around engaging my children in helping with the food so that when they're consuming food constantly, they <laughs> have an appreciation of it in a different way. That's really good. That's really good. Um, my daughter does bake a lot. And I, you know what? How much a cake mix costs compared to um, buying a cupcake out? It's mm-hmm. just it's just crazy. So, yeah, I do like making the kids bake more, and that's a creative aspect that's good for their brain. There's a lot of adding in mathematics and in baking and other things in the kitchen, too, that, you know, you don't often think about until you're in the midst of it and you're teaching people to, you know, measure and mix and pay attention to the list and all of that. So Yeah, creating is really helpful for those financial losses, but... You know, if you are a Christian and you believe that God is your source, Mm. not your bank account, that God is your provision, and you just really feel like, I want to send this kid to violin camp, whatever that is, then we need to say, okay, God, show me how to do it. And employ that child in the praying and earning of chores. I mean, these kids are capable of pulling weeds for neighbors and watching dogs and a variety of Mm -hmm. other things that they can do to earn income in small ways. So I just think it's so important for us to be aware of that so that they can 
be a part of the process of moving towards those things that they want to do. I think one year, ah, yes, one year we bought a family membership to Dorney Park. And that created Pool and Dorney Park. I think we were moving that year, so we weren't going to go on a vacation because we couldn't afford mm-hmm. a vacation that year. And that was like a really great summer because we had the ability to keep going, keep going, keep going. Now I know they're expensive now, but probably no more expensive than a pool membership. But it's not a whole lot more. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, it's a challenge to figure that out. Losses for personal time. Let's talk about that. What do you do to ground yourself before the day with four girls? Well, I wake up early and I exercise. And I make sure that I have time to pray and to worship. And when they get up, they come down to the sound of worship in in my house. And there's that music playing there. And that's, that's really how I how I take that time. That's good. And you know what, girl, people listening out there, these girls, they all get up really early, so Jessica has to get up really early. <laughs> yeah, my kids, um, <laughs> maybe this year they'll sleep in a little bit more, but they, I mean, I was not a morning person before I got married, but I would say that there's been a grace for that in this season. And I think that's a big part of it is saying, God, you're going to have to give me the grace <laughs> To do what it is I'm going to need to do to manage myself and my household. I, too, get up early. When my kids were little, I got up earlier than they did. I mean, sometimes they would beat me to it. But I get up early. I take a long walk with the dog, sometimes around 530 in the morning, Mm -hmm. because it's completely silent then. And it's completely just me, my thoughts, and God. Mm -hmm. And I'm just creating a foundation of peace for my day. And it's a difficult choice, but the more you choose it, the easier it gets. I can. I know some people who do that at night, but it, I know in the summer, I, I remember having the problem that my kids were not tired because they had slept right. in, and so they were staying up later. Right. Um, so, again, let's go back to what we do with those losses. I think it's really important to be talking about the losses with God and with friends so they can bring affirmation and truth to you. You know, in the Bible, it says that God gives us beauty for ashes. So that means that in order for us to process the losses, we actually have to hand those lo- mm. those losses to him. Mm. So I, I think that there are many losses tied to summer, but we need to be hearing his comfort, feeling his comfort, creating a plan for our day. And, and even if that day is let's just stay home today, mm. That's so important to do. We need the downtime. I feel like a lot of our kids are addicted to adrenaline. They have adrenaline going through them from running tight, activity-filled schedules. And then I get them in here as adults, and they're full of anxiety because they haven't been taught to decompress. Meditation, peaceful rest, things like that, that is quiet, most kids are not taught to do that, and so they have a lot of anxiety problems. I feel like our time is up. I just want to kind of pray over people out there. Any mm-hmm. final questions or concerns you have, Jessica? I don't think so. I think that this was a great start. I'm th- excited to see how I know. it empowers people to find joy this summer. 
Right. So it's, it's, it's heavy on my heart as we approach the end of school because I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember, and I pray for those mamas out there. So I'd like to just pray. God, I just pray that you would, um, you would remind individuals about what we talked about here today, mm-hmm. that, God, you would speak to the losses of the summer, and you would bring beauty out of those ashes. God, I pray, Lord, that you would show truth to individuals about their shame, about their mom's skills. God, I pray you'd give them creative ideas Mm -hmm. for funding snacks and activities, that, God, you are our provision, you are our source, and we would invite you into that process. Mm -hmm. I just pray for all the moms, both the working moms— and working dads, because many times I, in my neighborhood, we have more and more people that are man, men that are staying home. God, I just pray for the individuals that are having to deal with more of these things, Lord, that you would just release a plan of empowerment for their summer. And I just bless each person out there. Give us your questions, concerns um, you know, with this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And, you know, maybe your comments will create other podcast issues for us to begin to discuss. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.